Welcome to this episode of the Awakened Intent podcast. My name is Chris Bale, and today I would like to introduce everyone to Nadja, who has been kind enough to be willing to share some of her time with me and potentially bring up some questions, some concepts, some conversations over the next uh, hour or so. Nadja, thank you for being here. And I, I'd love for you to maybe just introduce yourself a little bit so everyone can uh, get a sense of you and also maybe sharing what, what kind of brought you to this work. Uh, yes. Hello, everyone. Hi, Chris. Um, my name is Nadia. I am an Ayurvedic health practitioner. Um, I am originally from Poland, but I left my home country pretty young when I was 21. I moved to the United States, uh, which is where I studied Ayurveda. After about 10 years, I came back to Poland um, only to realize that I, I cannot live without the Atlantic Ocean. So mm. I am currently <laughs> living in Norway. Uh, that mm. was like a lo logical cho choice for me <laughs> right. going forward. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I'm a bit of a researcher at heart. Uh, over the years, I have been devouring knowledge, reading and listening to many different specialists in the fields of health and spirituality. Mm -hmm. uh, my intention behind it was to understand on a deeper level how the mind and body connect and influence each other and how different approaches and techniques can be used to help rebalance the system. And what I have found is that there's no one approach, diet, or technique that will work for everyone 100% of the time, despite what anybody else is saying. Mm -hmm. And all that is very individual and always changing, which is why I really admire and appreciate your work, Chris, and your open-mindedness uh, mm -hmm. uh, and your guiding of people back to themselves so they can decide what is true and right for them at this specific moment in time uh, yes. because li life is um, constant change and I believe checking in with ourselves regularly is the best thing we can do to stay aligned um, and in harmony uh, that and listening to you Chris has been really refreshing uh, in a time when most people I feel are over complicating things uh, mm -hmm. with sophisticated philosophies, branded techniques, and and mm -hmm. basically uh, talking out of their heads when it's really quite simple and being in the presence of someone who is uh, so grounded, embodied, and authentic is truly a gift. So thank you. Uh, I am very happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that uh, and also for your kind words. I'm always uh, touched to hear that uh, the work and what's shared and the simplicity of it all can can really feel aligned for people so thank you for that so i'm assuming that you um have potentially come with some questions or topics that you'd like to move towards today yes yes i do have a, a few questions that have been uh 
on my mind for quite a while. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, it would be it would be great to to hear uh, your perspective uh, on these topics. Beautiful. Let's let's do it. Uh, yes. So my first question to you, Chris, is uh, about the dark feminine. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel that there is a lot of fluff around this topic, and it needs clarification, like mm-hmm. what this energy is how it functions and expresses itself and what its purpose is. Honestly, mm-hmm. I get a thrill uh, when I feel into this energy of chaos and unpredictability. For, for me, there's an element of complete surrender to it. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever happens, happens kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it brings me relief. And also there is something innately powerful in destruction that leads to transformation and rebirth and clearing space for the new so Mm -hmm. i'm curious do you recognize the side of femininity in your work or is it just like a sugar-coated construct meant to cover up or justify toxic behavior Uh, and the reason why so many women are attracted to it is because they haven't really been able to let go of control and fully express their emotions Mm, well i mean that's definitely a a huge part of it in some situations but i'd like to kind of begin with the aspect of semantics within that question because (laughs) when a woman refers to their dark feminine her definition or her meaning of the word dark is going to be quite different to another woman's definition and usage of the term dark Uh, Dark in society, just semantically, can often have a negative connotation to it. And depending on how we as individuals relate to and see different traits as negative, because what might feel dark to one person might actually feel completely of light to another person. Uh, This is the aspect that we're working with when we're referring to, to the dark feminine. So when a woman is referring to hers, I'm always far more curious at what darkness means to her. So okay. I can understand where she's actually coming from within relation to her expression. For me, there, there's, there's, no, there's no such thing as dark feminine. There's just depth. And the deeper we go, the more light or awareness is another term we could use. But the deeper we go into ourselves, the deeper she goes into her own abyss, the more light she's going to need in order to expose what's in the dark. Because the depth generally will be dark. And when I mean dark, I just mean aspects, behaviors, feelings, past experiences that have not been held in awareness. Also, experiences that have the potential to be dysfunctional in our external expression of them, addictive, obsessive, uh, fiery, where there can be an experience of this life force overtaking us and moving us in directions that actually create harm. Uh, so for me personally, <clears throat> dark feminine, I think, is a is 
another buzzword right now it's a buzz term some women will will use it to cover up uh their trauma when actually her expression is an acting out of trauma and it doesn't actually mean that it's healthy or aware in the way that she's expressing it and for other women they'll use it towards things that are absolutely deeply innocent in them in terms of their expression but for me, it's all about the awareness aspect of it. And dark feminine, that buzz term is really going to be different based on every single woman that expresses it or goes to to experience it. At the beginning, she may feel a lot more, in quotation marks, darkness in her exploration. But the more that she's with it and brings love and allowance and expression to these parts in a responsible way where she's contained and owning her own experience without projecting it or dumping it onto another person through that what was once dark to her will no longer feel dark and now it will be a very integrated and functional part of uh, how she shows up in the world so i'm not sure if that's answered the specificness of your question but that's at least what's what's come through in this moment uh yeah i actually this is this is great i um i never really liked the 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 dark naming of this this energy i feel like it's like you what you say the depth like it's yeah. it's how much awareness you bring to the to what's underneath and yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, so thank you so much for that. Uh, it really cleared things mm -hmm. up for me. Yes. Uh, oftentimes trauma wants to find things that are exciting to play with. <laughs> right. So <laughs> when, 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 when we use words like, oh, I'm in my dark feminine goddess energy, it's that's, that's entertaining, right? There's like a, there's a excitable quality to that, which really fits into a society that is consistently chasing excitement and release. So yeah. it just goes hand in hand with where we're at. But when it's used as a as an illusionary practice for spiritual development, it just complicates a, a whole bunch of stuff and it and it brings people deeper into delusion, I feel. And we all have the right to move in whatever direction that we really long to move in. So I always want people to do that. And if what I share in relation to dark feminine uh, doesn't resonate with you, then, then forget what I say. It means nothing. No, that, that was great. It was, uh, yeah, it, I feel like the dark feminine and the, I don't know what, called the other side light feminine it's like an unnecessary division of just feminine energy uh totally. when yeah <laughs> and the the desire to divide and separate everything is because our mind wants to do that in order to assume wisdom in order to assume understanding if our minds can divide everything up into different boxes, it somehow feels like it's arrived into knowing something. But just to be in the abyss of what everything is and not, and not calling it anything, but just being in the depth of the experience itself without adding any bells and whistles to it, uh, I feel like that's almost the most terrifying for us to do because that, that involves certain types of 
mind death, ego death, identity death, and that can be very uncomfortable when we kind of arrive back to the reality of how plain, simple, and normal we are in our humanness. It's similar to that whole, you know, trend of, you know, I'm, I'm getting downloads right now, or I had a download yesterday. It's like, no, you, you had a thought because you're a human. And as humans, we have thoughts and thoughts are beautiful. Why do we need to try to make it more than the extraordinary aspect of what a thought already is? There's such a depth of uh, conditioned self-hatred in our societies that even the whole industry around spiritual development has taken in so much fluffy language in an attempt to band-aid our self-hatred, in an attempt to seem more valuable, more spectacular than the normality of what we actually are. And I feel that our truest extraordinariness actually lays in how simple we are and how natural we are. But there is definitely this thing happening in spiritual development and self-help right now where there's just, there's so many words to fancify and to kind of put fireworks behind everything that we do. And, and I really feel that's just, that's a very big sign of chasing more of what's unreal. Um, but that's just my, that's just my expression around it yeah i completely agree yeah um i do have um another question that's uh it's it, I wouldn't say it pertains uh, just to women, it pertains to everybody, but uh, I think women um, mm -hmm. have been more exposed to it. Um, and mm -hmm. this is, uh, uh, I, I was curious about your thoughts on how to be present and loving with your body when uh, dealing with body shame. Uh, in mm. in my experience with severe body shame, there is a tendency to disassociate from the body because putting mm -hmm. attention on it causes uh, intense feelings of shame uh, and even anger towards your own body, uh, and also the urge to control it with with food, with exercise, treatments, and so on. Mm -hmm. So, on one hand. There is an obsession with the body that is focused externally and at the same time an avoidance of being connected to and feeling your body, which becomes quite an abusive and controlling relationship uh, mm -hmm. at times. So my question is how to turn this around into love when there is so much judgment and, and hate towards your own body and, mm. and it's really difficult to, to be present with it and in it. Mm. Firstly, being totally with the judgment and the pain of it. I find in a lot of practices, the goal is to get away or to fix, in quotation marks, the problem, in quotation marks, 
for me, the only issue is us leaving ourselves and the lack of love that that starts to create through that process and the vacancy it creates and the fact that we feel disconnected and unheld and meaning starts to fall away. So within uh, any dynamic of, of that body shame is first to completely allow yourself to be deeply ashamed of your body and to accept, okay, this is the experience that I'm in or that I've been in. This is the pain that I'm in. These are the thought processes that are happening around what I'm in. Very practically, I have a choice. I can keep trying to fix this by moving further out and away from myself. That's one option that everyone has the right to, to go into. Or I can show up in a way that I know will shift, change, and rebalance, heal is another word we could use here, uh, my relationship with myself. Any dysfunctional relationship that we're in that's lacking love, more quality time, more presence, more feeling, more loving as a practice is always going to be the most powerful medicine. At the beginning, it may be the most difficult approach to move towards. It may be way easier to just lose and distract oneself and to pump chemicals into the body to change how you look so you can hopefully love and accept and prefer yourself uh, that generally will be the easier option at first but if someone can be can be courageous enough to really show up for themselves in a way that probably nobody else ever has including themselves that is going to be what shifts everything so back to your question if if there's body shame if there's a lot of pain in relation to how a person sees themselves the deepest medicine is going to be that person sitting or laying with their hands on themselves being completely fully deeply with the pain feeling the pain, breathing into the pain, being in the body, feeling where it is in the body, expressing with their voice, with their sound, with their breath, allowing their tears, allowing their anger, allowing the full expression of everything that is sitting and living in them. Because once that moves, once that energy has a full cycle or a full discharge, it will no longer be stuck in the body. And that person will no longer be feeling those feelings because so much of our state of being, whether we feel happy, sad, anxious, depressed, is almost everything to do with stagnation and circulation. And when certain types of energy stagnates in certain parts and areas of the body or organs of the body, that will then directly pertain to certain emotional states that we're walking around in. And the easiest, quickest, most supportive way for any stagnation to move uh, other than movement is presence, is, is you being completely present with the pain and the feeling of that stagnation. Because our presence gifts more life force to the stagnation so that it can start to move again. And then it can have its full cycle 
Um, so ultimately, my to simplify everything that I just said is to acknowledge that you can never get away from this. All the things to chase, the solutions, the fixes, you'll never, ever, ever get away from it because it's sitting and living in you. So that means you have to show up for you in a way that you have never, ever shown up for yourself before, potentially. That's the depth that you have to be willing to be there and wrap your arms around yourself and love every single piece of your body, even in the experience of being disgusted by yourself. Okay, well, can you show up in that disgust, fully present and put your arms around yourself and just wait for that disgust to start moving and shifting? Because it will. Uh, for me, I have never, ever, ever found any other way treatment around this. Um, of course, there's many options, psychotherapy, talk therapy, somatic work. There's so many options that, that are presented to us right now. But the depth of shift that happens when we choose to show up for ourselves in a way that, that actually is coming from self-love. Because there's a lot of people out there talking about self-love, but there's no love present in self and how they're engaging with themselves. And this is just more of a blind spot issue. It's, it's an awareness issue. But the deepest form of self-love is not treating yourself to a nice meal or taking yourself for a walk. Those can be versions of it. But the deepest form of it is... Do I love myself enough wholly and completely to stay with and in my body, with and in myself, when all of this challenge, when all of this hateful feelings, when all of this self-loathing, disgust, worthlessness, when these feelings start to bubble up in me, which really have nothing to do with me, they're not mine, they were put in me, they were cultivated around me, am I here for myself in that? The same way that I would like to be here for a loved one, if I was to saw them crouched, or if I was to see them crouched in the corner in the fetal position in a very intense emotional state, am I going to try to coach them? Am I going to try to mindset shift them? I hope not. I hope that you would just walk over, sit down, wrap your arms around them and be present with them and let them feel you be there for them. Well, that's what we have to do for ourselves. Because if our relationship with ourself is, is, is out of balance, everything else that we do in our life is going to be shrouded with that misery. It's going to be very, very tough. It's going to be tougher than it needs to be. And life is already challenging enough. So that is my invitation to people who are in this type of an experience, and especially for the, the powerful women out there. You know, you really got to show up for yourself first. Yes. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was very, very true. Uh, I really um, resonate with this. Uh, so thank you for that. And it kind of um, leads into my next question uh, because the, you mentioned that this is uh, uh, like the really it it won't go away, no matter what kind of technique or approach you're using. At at the end of the day, you have to sit with with this and with yourself and how you feel. 
Um, and I uh, have come across therapists, um, specifically in hypnotherapy, claiming that it's not necessary to feel the emotions associated with, uh, with the trauma, uh, whatever kind of trauma that is. And mm -hmm. it's uh, simply a mistake of the mind operating as if the traumatic event is still ongoing and mm -hmm. it's enough to remove the trigger from the subconscious mind to change the pattern of behavior even mm -hmm. within a single session mm -hmm. uh, in other words they they assure that the emotional release is not necessary and can be re-traumatizing mm -hmm. so i can see the allure of such an instant approach uh, especially mm -hmm. with deep trauma sometimes it seems like the emotions just keep coming and coming and and we keep having the same reactions and there is mm. no end to it but at the same time that theory seems a bit mechanical and devoid of spirit which to me personally mm. is very off-putting I, I believe that there is depth to every mm -hmm. emotion and circumstance and great wisdom can be found within if we are willing to stay present with our feelings mm -hmm. uh, so i wonder how do you differentiate when it is necessary to continue with the process of feeling the emotions associated with the same issue uh, mm -hmm. over and over and when does it become uh, like a repetition that maybe solidifies the trauma uh, and mm -hmm. our way of thinking and feeling about a certain issue and then maybe it's time to redirect focus uh, mm -hmm. because i'm really sometimes i'm really confused about this uh, whether we should stay with the feeling and maybe um, it just becomes better and better and and as we are releasing it and feeling mm -hmm. into it and staying with it uh, and on the other hand maybe we're just uh, uh, repeating the pattern so so mm -hmm. this is where I, I I don't know where to stand on which side of this <laughs> right well well luckily we we don't we're not forced to stand on one side or the other side and we can be right down the middle yeah, yeah that, we, that's we, true too. <laughs> we 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 get to be as nuanced and as balanced and as uh as alert to whatever may be most supportive in this moment we never want to get too dogmatic about practices or, or ways of showing up because that in itself is kind of like a fear controlling mechanism within our own being so uh, anytime someone is completely shut down to a certain thing, uh, that's a red flag, at least at least for me. Why, why do you fear this other side so much as being a potential option for support and for deeper health? I've worked with enough people and I've, I've been working with people long enough uh, to know through direct experience that, as you mentioned at the start of this call, not one thing will work for everybody. Because yeah. the medicine that we receive in one season of our life, this form of medicine could be the most powerful thing that we that we receive. But if we were to receive that three or four years later in a different season, it's 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 useless to us. Just like that experience when someone opens a book. 10 years ago and they read it and they're like, I didn't get it, but I opened it last week and I read it and I got all of it. It, it shifted everything when I took those words in, right? Because the season that the person was in was different. So 
I'm sharing this because I never want to like have people assume that I'm only for one side and the other side is useless and all those hypnotherapists are just head-based disconnected people there's definitely a part of that 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 is absolutely true in my experience but there's morsels of value in everything so how i have seen the clearing process the restabilizing process the purging process happen in people it has been in a few ways but firstly i i'm absolutely of the belief that until something is felt through somatically it will stay in the body it will stay there and it will fester in a person that's why most of my work is around the suggestion of be in the body and once you be in the body, practice and learn how to stay in the body. Because just by being with and in ourselves, whatever needs to be cleared will start to come up to show us through feeling, through sensation. So this is one aspect of it. And in my experience, a deeply traumatic event, the feeling of it somatically, can be cleared very, 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 very quickly. So when I'm seeing a situation of a feeling or an experience of a past event or trauma continuously coming back up, and it's like the person is like, I feel like I'm feeling this forever. I just keep feeling it, I'm feeling it, and it just never loses charge. Then I'm looking directly at their ability to be present in their life because the other side of this is that even though the traumatic experience has passed even though it's been felt through the mind and the subconscious has now integrated itself into a pattern of consistently triggering that thought that past experience projecting it up on the screen of that person's awareness and life and the body is so familiar with it that it, it cannot tell the difference between uh true and false so the body instantly goes back into that experience the energy comes back up and that person has to feel again so what i share with people practically speaking in order to protect themselves from the re-traumatizing experience of feeling deeply in the body but it almost never ends is as you are feeling the body and as you are feeling this moving through you, watch it happening. Watch yourself feeling it. Because the simple act of applying the watching to your somatic felt sense experience, this will keep you present. This will keep you here in a way that you're not over identifying with the story behind the feeling i'll see this all the time even when i'm doing energy work with people and all of their stuff starts to come up and the energy starts to move they will start to go into stories in their head which will then start to manipulate and change the energy in their body and i'll almost have to keep calling the person back just to stay with the sensation of it 
because the mind always wants to grasp to everything. So for me, there's two sides. There's the practical aspect of the body knows how to purge. It knows how to let go of stagnant, pent-up trauma in the body almost effortlessly when we can learn how to fully get out of the way and relax deeply into ourselves. The mind is this whole other thing that, sure, there can be benefit to working with it in terms of hypnotherapy, but ultimately, anytime we're working with the mind, we're always, always, always engaging in programming and self-trickery. You're either programming yourself to feel awful and have these horrendous thoughts moving through your awareness, or on the other side, you're programming yourself to think of the opposite of that. But it's the same coin of programming and self-trickery. It's just that one form of the self-trickery and the delusion maybe doesn't hurt you as much physically. But my approach to all of this with people is just let the mind be the mind. Your job is to start cultivating an embodied awareness and an ability to stay with sensation and expression versus being stuck and focused in the mind. So I'm not even trying to engage with the computer. I'm wanting to bring the attention. I'm wanting to always shift, always refocus the attention, which is our consciousness, refocusing that down into the body where things can continue to be cleared and moved. But when the mind gets involved, when we lose ourselves to the mind, to thoughts, it starts to sprinkle all of its own fears, terrors, past programmings, the words, everything that it's taken in throughout its life. And that's when trauma can almost feel like it's just consistently re-traumatizing and perpetuating itself through the process of feeling and reliving it. Because the person still is reliving it in that loop in their head. So if a person is in a very, very deeply stuck state where the energy of the mind is too strong for them to currently deal with and process, then I feel these other types of therapies, these mind-based therapies can be of uh, amazing temporary relief and support to that person just to get a break for a minute. Thank you for listening to some of today's episode. If you'd like to hear the full conversation, along with live Qigong classes, Q&A group sessions, and Tea with Chris, you can head over to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Chris Bale. Thank you, as always, for your support. And we will see you back here on the next episode. Ciao.